1: Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1476. I feel like I'm in the 15th century for some reason. (sighs) Now, our title is, We Could Be Cheeros Just For One Day. (laughs) (laughs) Our podcast title is, "Protect the Family. I am Rob Jan.
0: And Megan McHugh. And thanks to Banksia before us and Key Watt for another great show.
1: Yeah, and we have to, speaking of great shows, we want to talk to you about one of those today, The Brothers Sun, which is on Netflix at the moment. All eight episodes drop, but first... We have some news from La La Land.
0: <laughs> yes, let's head into a quick look at the awards season. Now, I think over the years, my relationship to awards shows has waned a bit. What's your? Do you keep up with them? Don't keep up with them. What's your vibra?
1: I've always found it difficult in Australia to watch them. Uh, back in you know back in the old days, it was we'd watch we watch them at night, mm. and it was pretty easy to actually. Get away from spoilers and stuff Because, yeah. you know, if if you didn't listen to the radio in the day um, There was no internet So, you know, you'd be set up there for the Academy Awards <laughs> And they drag on for like five hours Yes, yes And, and over time they've separated them into technical awards yeah. And so on But they still feel like they're five hours as you, if you watch them So, yeah, I, I haven't really paid attention to them all that much In terms of the actual show But, you know, you catch up with them online now Quite easily
0: Yeah So I think same for me. Like I used to really get very invested in the awards shows, especially the Oscars, would watch kind of, you know, save myself to watch them in the evening on that Monday. Yeah. And we'd do Oscar parties and things. And I remember the glory days of like Billy, I'm talking like Billy Crystal hosting kind of era. But The Shine has definitely gone a little bit off the Oscar statuette of, of recent years. But I think still it's good to call out that there's a lot of great actors, directors, creative teams, production design, technical folks that are called out and recognised. Mm. for the work that they've done. And I so I think it's still very worthwhile, even though, you know, awards don't always necessarily line up with um, what maybe audiences like. You know, there's politics there. Let's just say that. I think it's still good to kind of call out yeah, it's, um, it's, what's been of interest in the previous year.
1: I mean, apart from video gaming, it's probably the closest we get to barracking for something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, and this is it. It's, it is it is very nice when you have a favourite or something you've loved yeah. and you see it being recognised more broadly. Like when Parasite took away the best picture, mm. that was such a great moment and that re- revived my love in awards shows.
1: When everything, everywhere all at once swept
0: them, you know, that's yeah. great. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, seeing a bit more representation as well is such a great yeah. thing in these in these awards and categories. And when
1: Robert Downey Jr. got Best Actor for Iron Man and they got Best Picture of that year. <laughs>
0: I think that's Earth, you know, (laughs) a different Earth. It is.
1: Multiverse. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You
0: never know. You never know. But we will cover RDJ shortly. Hmm. Um, But let's dive in a bit. We've recently had the Golden Globes, the Emmys and the Critics' Choice Awards. Oh, yeah. I forgot about those. Yes. That have all happened. And we've got Oscar noms being announced soon. And so awards season is really in full swing now. And usually some of the, you know, feathers in the cap are that Oscars ceremony that's coming up um, shortly. But let's cover off what's happening. So far. So, plenty of excellent media has already been called out and rewarded. It's definitely seemed to be the season so far for tense dramas to walk away with the prize. So, I'm talking. And sadly, not necessarily genre, at least for the interests of Zero G, but some excellent, excellent TV shows like The Bear, Succession and Beef have all been winning big across multiple awards shows. Um, So I won't really touch so much on them. Let's just say they've done super well, uh, deservedly, in my opinion. But let's um, focus in on the genre wins, even though they're a little bit more light on so far this year. So we'll start with Small Screen and the Emmys. So sadly, no Emmy wins in their nominated main categories for Wednesday, The Last of Us, Andor, and Obi-Wan. So I'm talking those categories that are considered kind of the main televised categories. Mm -hmm. But in the creative categories... Many technical, creative, genre achievements were called out. So I'll just cover some of those now. So The Last of Us did sweep up those technical and creative awards with plenty of wins for things like prosthetic makeup, special visual effects, the main title design. Oh, yeah. Sound editing and sound mixing. Again, if you've seen the show, this is all not a surprise because things like the editing and the makeup and all of that is such a huge part of the atmosphere and success of that show. Yeah. As well as picture editing and also awards for Storm Reed and Nick Offerman for their guest appearances on the show oh, which yeah. is really great to well hear.
1: deserved actually
0: very very well deserved. Moving on to Wednesday, so Wednesday also did well taking away some statues for contemporary costumes, contemporary makeup, production design, and the original main title music, and that went to Danny Elfman, who did the score for that. Old mate Danny, who probably already has a bit of an awards cupboard at home, but he's got another one there. Boingo, boingo for Danny. (laughs) Exactly. Other awards were given out to House of the Dragon for fantasy sci-fi costumes. The boys got one for stunt coordination and (laughs) the Mandalorian got stunt performance. So that's, again, something pretty deserved. Not that much of a surprise. Um, Ms. Marvel got a win for outstanding motion design. Oh, yeah. which makes sense a bit when you think about the style of the action yeah, yeah, and fighting yeah. in that show. And the movie Prey took away sound editing. Oh. so Oh.
1: Actually, just thinking about that, that had a very solid sound suite. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, again, I was really happy to see that these things were called out and they made a lot of sense to me. I think a lot of these shows and movies um, did stand out in, in the ways they were. So
1: the Emmys have recognized. their main awards and then they have the uh, – Creative awards like the main awards are creative, but you know, they also have science and technology awards. Ah, oh. basically uh, being awarded to people for inventing, you know, um, best gyroscopic controlled <laughs> boomer, that yeah. Kind of
0: sure. I mean, that is a big part of the process. Like, yeah. it's not just um, the people in front of the camera, right? There's a lot that goes into making these shows, especially these days when things are, there's more money and more complicated things behind the scenes. Um, so, that was the Emmys. Let's move on to the Golden Globes. I want to sweep past all the drama and all of the tea because there's a lot of discourse around the Golden Globes that we're not going to give airtime here, but we're going to focus in on some of the wins. So, Poor Things, which we spoke about last week on Zero G, mm-hmm. did take away a statue for best picture, musical, or comedy. Mm-hmm. And Emma Stone was awarded best performance by an actress.
1: Lots of ferocious jumping for joy. No. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, again, I think that Poor Things is probably going to be a pretty big winner this season. Yeah, yeah, you can see it's, it. it's already started to pull ahead of the pack a little bit there. Uh, best animated motion picture went to the final feather in Miyazaki's cinematic cap, The Boy and the Heron.
1: Oh, so well deserved that.
0: And again, I think anything less would have been a surprise, so not really that surprised to see that that one took away the animated award. Mm -hmm. It is still a (laughs) Barbenheimer-dominant... Time, even as we go into twenty twenty
1: four. Both of those are our genres.
0: Yes, exactly. And actually, we've spoken about neither on the show. Is that right?
1: That's that is absolutely correct. <laughs>
0: We're just waiting for it all to die down so we can swoop in with our own zero G take on the matter.
1: I want the I want the um, the action figures
0: there. Have you, <laughs> the Oppenheimer with a little atomic yeah, bomb. Yeah. Have you seen either of those? No. <laughs> we'll, we'll catch up. I think it would be interesting for us to have a little go over yeah. now that the the fanfare has died down a bit, but. Barbie did win in a new category for the Globes and it's called Cinematic and Box Office Achievement. Oh, it's, so, a,
1: it's a pity it's not an Oscar because they would actually could give her like a, a gold Barbie doll. Yeah. You know They've done that sort of stunt like stuff a Yeah.
0: But I think this is a new category because um, as well as wanting to, I think it recognises box office draw. Yeah. And Barbie has done very well at the box office. And I also think, But they wanted to kind of recognise Barbie a little bit this season because I think it has made a lot of strides in certain ways. But anyway, I thought it was quite interesting um, because the only other award they took away was for Best Original Song and that's for What Was I Made For, which is by Billie Eilish and Phineas. Moving on to the second half of Barbenheimer with Oppenheimer. So Oppenheimer was pretty highly decorated at the Globes. So Ludwig Gorenson won for Best Original Score, Killian Murphy for Best Performance, Christopher Nolan for Best Director, and Robert Downey Jr. for Best Supporting Actor.
1: Hmm.
0: So I think none of those were a wild surprise to the punters. I think that was pretty um, unsurprising. And speaking of Barbenheimer, uh, it does... Continue to be a theme as we move into a quick glance at the Critics' Choice Awards. Oppenheimer did walk away with eight wins there and Barbie took home six on the night. So they were two pretty big winners of the Critics' Choice Awards. So Oppenheimer was awarded Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Acting Ensemble. It is quite an ensemble too. Best Editing, Best Visual Effects and Best Score again to Goranson. And again, Robert Downey Jr. got Best Supporting Actor there too. Hmm. All that
1: and it was a box office bomb.
0: (laughs) You were just waiting for that one. You were just waiting for that one. Uh, On the Barbie side of things, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach took home Best Original Screenplay. And the film also won Best Production Design, which, as it should, in my opinion, because the production design on that film is spectacular, mm. uh, as well as Best Costume Design, Best Hair and Makeup, Best Comedy, and the Ryan Gosling sung, I'm Just Ken, won Best Original Song, <laughs> which is a little bit of a cause for conversation, but that's what that's how, how it went. Uh, Emma Stone, again, Best Actress for Poor Things. And... In animation, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse won Best Animated Feature. Not surprised. Not surprised. Very well deserved. And Scott Pilgrim takes off won Best Animated Series. So... Mm. Some pretty amazing stuff in there. I think a few things, are reminders for me to go back and try and check out. I think nothing is a wild surprise. It is nice to see some of these things called out, especially things like pray
1: hmm. for the
0: sound editing, some of the smaller things.
1: And that, that I Emmys mean, was from last year because it was held over because of the...
0: Yeah, so I think it actually covers the period of like late 2022 and yeah. early 2023.
1: Yeah, from the strike.
0: Yeah, so we're all a little bit out of sync, (laughs) are we ever, uh, with the awards and things, but it'll be interesting to see how the Oscars stack up.
1: Yeah, they're coming soon.
0: Yeah, very soon, very soon. So we probably report back on that when they happen. I do think that awards, I mean, they are what they are. I don't necessarily think they're the be-all and end-all of the value of a piece or the enjoyment of a piece, but.
1: It, It used to be able to translate when they had longer uh, periods of when the film was actually in the cinema. It used to translate into increased box office.
0: But, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: is, they sort of, they're going onto streaming now, so I wonder if it means more streaming
0: it's hits. It's <laughs> interesting, isn't it? I think the whole way that kind of monetary pyramid works now has been shuffled up a bit. It has so, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um hopefully some things will also get a second life and, and people get renewed interest in them and view them on streaming. Not just you know, from a creative perspective of wanting more people to see this stuff
1: and they seem to have moved past the the whole while it was made for streaming we can't give it an award or you know they've moved beyond that they've had to
0: yeah well I think yeah exactly it's at a point now where you can't ignore
1: because sometimes the ones that are coming out at the box office it's basically just a touch and go Yes. Bam, it's there for a week or two weeks and it's gone.
0: Yeah. And a lot of things like Netflix does do like a limited cinematic release and then it will go straight to Netflix. Same no. for Apple. So Killers of the Flower Moon, May, December, those all got like a cinematic release, even though the studio was Apple or Netflix or whatever. So,
1: And it's, it's pushed another thing down as well. There used to be the whole direct to video.
0: Yeah. Now
1: it's like just straight to streaming, but that's not necessarily it- – a difficulty.
0: I think it is still the cinema seen as the place for prestige because to be considered for some of these movie awards, you have to have been shown in a cinema. Mm. So, I, I mean, I'd like to think that cinema isn't going to die in terms of the actual cinema complex because yeah. if streamers still continue to put things out in cinemas as well as on their platforms.
1: Well, I think the new... Uh, I was just thinking um, J-Lo's new movie.
0: J-Lo's new movie? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um Not (laughs) digitally. This is this is me. Have a look at the trailer for that online, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of inspired by her dreams. So it's this science fiction, romance, steampunk, dystopic, musical.
0: Wow! I love that you're telling me about a Jennifer Lopez project that I didn't know about. This is news to me.
1: Yeah, I sent you an email. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so that's coming out very soon, and I think it's um, in Feb on, on streaming too. Coming, yeah, to Amazon
0: Prime looks like it. So. so it
1: will have been commissioned for that. I mean, look, I can't say I've seen a lot of her movies. I I can remember seeing one with, Gen- with George uh, Clooney, where she's in the trunk of the car.
0: <laughs> I that's think that I was a long time ago. Was it out of sight?
1: Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> and the Cell, that horror movie, of course. Uh, and the only other movie I've seen her in was Anaconda.
0: <laughs> oh, things. wow. Yes, I think you're talking about a side. That was a long time ago. Um, well, you could catch up with some of her newer stuff, but I think, yeah, we could we should check out her new, mm, her mm. new thing, see yeah, what J-Lo's I, dreaming about.
1: I've got to love a celebrity. I mean, it's not a stretch for her to do a musical. No. But... A celebrity sci-fi one?
0: Yeah. You yeah, know, no, no, that's it. <laughs> I think that'll be a really interesting one for us to talk about. But uh, anyway, so that's award season 2024. We'll touch back on that. I do want to play a little piece of music to lead us into the next thing we're going to look at. I will play something from Oppenheimer. This is from Ludwig Göransson's score, and I'm going to play Can You Hear the Music?
1: Melbourne's Own, Triple R.
0: Yes, just then we had... Seven Years in Tibet, the Mandarin version from David Bowie. We were wondering while we were listening to that, how his Mandarin stacks up. I'd be curious to know. Uh, and then before that, we heard from Oppenheimer, Goranson's score, uh, Can You Hear the Music? Mm. And that was as a off the back of our awards wrap-up so far, awards season 2024 slash 2023.
1: Now, we played the Mandarin version of Seven Years in Tibet, not just to be controversial, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also because it was actually number one in Hong Kong Ugh. for a, for a time. But this is way back in the day. So mm, mm. yeah, I've actually read Seven Years in Tibet, the book that that's based sort of loosely based on. Anyway, uh, we called our show today. We could be churros just for one day. <laughs> Bowie connection and pod The family was the podcast title because we're talking about the brothers Sun. Yes, and this is a new eight episode Netflix show what we call this, black comedy crime? Yeah, Yeah. black
0: comedy crime action. Mm. So we're going to actually lead with plot for a change. All right, (laughs) I'm ready. Let's go.
1: (laughs) The Sun family leads one of the major crime triads in Taipei, Taiwan. Mm -hmm. When the patriarch of the clan, Big Sun, is shot and put into a coma, Mm -hmm. his eldest son, the much feared and respected enforcer, Chairleg Charles... (laughs) <laughs> Travels to Los Angeles to seek out his mother, Eileen yeah. And her youngest son, Charles' brother, Bruce There's a whole fish-out-of-water thing going yeah. on there for poor Charles He's not used to operating beyond his father's firm control yep. And LA is a bit of an eye-opener for him As he begins to find himself Not to mention his family mm-hmm. Who he hasn't seen for quite some time Yes. And incidentally, the best recipe for churros Which is also a discovery for him <laughs> Of course, someone is out to kill him too, which is, you know, for Charles, it's like Tuesday. Uh, So um, Eileen is submerged or perhaps concealed is a better term in suburbia, Mm -hmm. where she keeps house, shops and spends time playing mahjong with her friends, inevitably known as the aunties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She is carrying very many secrets from her time in Taipei at her husband's right-hand side. Uh, fiercely protective of her sons, especially Bruce, who has nothing at all to do with the family business. Mm-hmm. He's studying to be a doctor, and since it's LA, also has aspirations to be an actor, of course, mm-hmm. which is not approved of by his mum. In fact, it's kind of forbidden. <laughs> now, can Charles protect his overseas family from extreme violence? Will Bruce step up to the Sun family business? Will he pass his exams? Will he get into the improv (laughs) troupe? And will he find love while trying to figure out his big brother and mother? What about Eileen? What does she want out of all of this? Mm. And who is trying to kill them all? And what does Assistant District Attorney Kong want with Charles? This is all in the Brothers Soon as we will find out. So let's have some music from it. Uh, I think we'll go to the title track from... The brothers' Sun, and this is by Nathan, Matthew, David, and Nick Lee. This is the soundtrack for the Netflix series. Triple R. This is Kylie Chan, author of the Dark Heavens and Journey to Wu trilogies, and you're listening to Zero G on Three Triple R FM. Hmm. The. Evocative theme from the brothers Sun Netflix TV series by Nathan Matthew David and Nick Lee. Nathan Matthew David is known for working on *Tenet* its soundtrack.
0: Oh, interesting! And,
1: and *The Mandalorian*,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: as well as not not the main composer, but you know, um, in there, and also uh, a man called Scott. And and I just like the title. Of this one, Under the Grapefruit Tree, (laughs) the CC Sabathia story. I just like that. And also, Nick Lee, who also contributed to this, he's a a Chinese, Japanese, American record producer, songwriter, and composer. He has done quite a bit of um, show work, but also um, uh, something like something called Grand Crew, which I've not seen also welcome to Flatch. whatever that is <laughs> all right so over to the brothers the brothers the brothers son <laughs> okay. Um, us American black comedy drama crime show Netflix eight episodes created by Brad Falchuk and Byron Wu and it's just come out mm-hmm. so January the 4th um, I binge watched it
0: it's all yeah. It's all available, ready mm. to go.
1: Brad is uh, an, a US American TV writer, director, and producer. Uh, wrote for Mutant X, Earth, Final Conflict, Veritas, The Quest. So some science fiction and fantasy credits there. Co-creator with Ryan Murphy of Glee, mm-hmm. American Horror Story, Scream Queens, yep. and Pose, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, writer and executive producer for Nip Slash Tuck. Mm. His wife is Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> whom he met on the set of Glee, apparently. Um, he's also got a deal with Netflix through his uh, production company to you know, develop and write and create new stuff for yep. the uh, streaming channel. And he also co-founded the arts education nonprofit group's Young Storytellers for the American Film Institute, huh. which ties in with the co-creator of this show, Byron were who, uh, in spite of having a physics degree, did sketch comedy and improv comedy in his school years.
0: I see, I see. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
1: Um, And uh, Byron loves um, Akira Kurosawa, Bong Joon-ho and Park Mm Chan-wook as directors. He likes the way that they can um, negotiate from uh, comedy to drama and just keep swinging backwards and forwards between them. But another favourite filmmaker is a guy called uh, Juzo Itami, and in the uh, 70s and 80s, he did comedy movies,
0: mm-hmm.
1: including one like uh, Tam Popo. Now, he did a movie about the Yakuza, a satire. They were not happy. They beat him up and, uh, and uh, scarred him. Really? And, and said, don't you ever do this again. Uh, and eventually, they uh, forced the poor fellow off a roof and made and he died and made it look like suicide. Oh my god! So you know, um, now Byron was inspired by the satire, but he didn't want to go that far.
0: Yes. So he, he likes himself yeah. on both yeah. feet on the ground. Yeah,
1: yeah. But the look, this is one of those shows like, um, uh, well, Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. for a start, um, and they're very proud of the fact that the writers room was all Asian, yep, except for Brad. Um, <laughs> both of their directors, uh, uh, Kevin Tan, Koarin and, uh, Viet Nguyen were Asian yep. uh, department heads and, and obviously actors and so on. Yep. And a lot of it is set in, um, uh, you know, uh, basically Asian type, uh, sub, uh, sub areas in Los Angeles. So mm. there's like Korean town yep. and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I
0: will say it does sound like, I'm glad that's the case because, from what i've seen of it it is asian stories yeah, and asian absolutely. point of view and if and if it wasn't the case that the team was had some asian representation i think we'd be in trouble so i think good brad has gone i want to make a show but i will involve the people who appropriately could tell the story
1: yeah <laughs> and what people they've got into this i mean let's start off with the big one michelle yo yes
0: She's... they've spent all their money on michelle <laughs>
1: playing eileen mm-hmm. and you know they were very tentative about reaching out to her and they thought you know this would be great for for uh, michelle yo i can see her playing the mother in this and uh, and you know well why not try and they did and it worked and here she is um look she's got such a storied career we don't need to go no. too much into it but i will just touch upon some quick high points uh, for me, one of them was the Heroic Trio back in 1993, a Hong Kong action film. has a sequel called The Executioners, And it's basically she's um, in a film directed by uh, Johnny To and along with um, the other two people. So it's like the Heroic Trio, her and Anita Mui and Maggie Chung. And basically it's kind of a superhero film. Ah. you know. So I, I really enjoyed it with that one. And, of course, the 97 James Bond film where she plays... Uh, Wai Lin, uh, opposite Pierce Brosnan. And then she moves to the United States. Uh, we've got um, Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in 2000. The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Everyone forgets that one from 2008. a lot of voice work too in these areas yeah. like Kung Fu Panda and of uh, and Crazy Rich Asians in yeah. two thousand and eight. and that
0: was kind of her resurgence a little bit.
1: Yes, yes, because then she did uh, Shao Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, And the television series Star Trek Discovery Where she plays the Empress of the Galaxy And so well does she play that Uh, Of course There's a spin-off series from that too coming along Or a movie or something like that Um, And of course that that, um, Academy Award winning role for Best Actress Everything, Everywhere, All at Once You know, she's got the whole bagel now really
0: Yeah (laughs)
1: Um, So, oh and also remember we saw her in The Witcher, Blood Origin
0: Yes, yes
1: Not, Not Blood Orange, but Blood Origin and so here she is playing Eileen Sun, um, the the wife of Big Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're split up. She's in LA, yep. and he's still in uh, Taipei. Yeah. And the and the idea is that she is sort of sequestered there. It's
0: like a self imposed witness protection program. It's yeah. like lead an ordinary life, be as boring as possible. You know, just be under the radar mm. in LA. And she
1: has a lot of problems. Because she's estranged from her older son, Charles, who's yeah. totally into the, the oh, triad business. Yes,
0: he's embedded.
1: Mm. And controlled by um, her father, his Big husband. Big yep. Yeah, and she is left to raise the younger son, Bruce, yep. in LA. And he's not at all into the the crime business. He's not, yep. you know, I'm not even sure he knows about it, doesn't seem to. No. Uh, and... He just wants to be his own person. You know? Yes. As they say, uh, what do you call someone who, who's independent from the family and wants to chart their own course? And they just say, American.
0: <laughs> and I think what's interesting is even in the first episode, they set up so well the dynamic of yeah. that family and where Charles is coming from. You know, he's very kind of stoic, severe looking, you know, serious type, and then Bruce, who's a little more goofy, and you can just really tell straight away, and he tells this great story, Bruce, about, you know, his rule-following tendencies, and you just get a real insight straight away Mm. into how they're just opposite sides of the coin.
1: It's interesting that um, Michelle Yeoh doesn't primarily exist in this to do martial arts.
0: Oh, that's a bummer.
1: I won't say too much about it, more about that, but she is there to show off her acting chops Mm. and not her chop-chops.
0: I think I do think that's great in that she's expressed that she wants to be doing more roles like Mm. that where she can play a fuller character. But I do, whenever I see her in anything, hope there's an opportunity for her to kick butt, so we'll see.
1: It's interesting. She's not that far from um, uh, Evelyn, Mm. from from everything, but – she is enough distant from that. But it's, you know, that whole kind of dynamic between mother and two sons. Mm. Um, eldest son gets mm. all the respect but no love, oh, <laughs> yes. according to one character in yes. this. Uh, the younger son is doted upon but always a disappointment. And he's
0: a little soft because of it, I guess. Yeah, is. yeah. is. Yeah. Or is he? You know, or there, is he? There are
1: developments yeah. in this that make you think. And at one stage somebody sums up, uh, Bruce's character, and you actually go, "Oh, looking at that from that angle, yeah, I see that." It's a terrible moment in the story, <laughs> and you know, and it's full of uh, very much family orientated detail. Yeah, you know, um, at one stage they're riding along in uh, Charles's car, and uh, and Eileen keeps turning off the air conditioning, and he keeps turning it on, and and she puts on an awful radio station, and Interesting. and she clips him, clips him up the ear at one. One stage because Bruce, Bruce earns a little bit of a slap from um, Charles, mm. and so then Eileen slaps Charles and says, We don't hit family.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think even when Charles and Eileen see each other again for the first time, the way that's treated is tells mm. so much like you can tell yeah. she's so happy to see him, but then it's just like. Oh, you've wrecked the house, or you know, whatever. Like, it's so interesting. I think, I thought the show did such a good job of, in very little, with very little amount of shots or exposition, mm. telling you exactly who these these people are. Should we hear another track from I the show? I believe
1: we should. <laughs> uh, now, okay, the needle drops in this are excellent. And you know what? I actually watched this and I thought I could be watching a, a Marvel show about a couple of, of heroes or, or anti heroes. Uh, and this is um, Betty Chung's cover of Bang Bang. So, you know, we're in that whole groove here. It's a little Tarantino-esque, actually. Melbourne's own Triple R. Betty Chung, they're covering the Nancy Sinatra song, Bang Bang. My baby shot me down. I feel like well, I'm in a Tarantino movie <laughs> there. Former Hong Kong recording artist, very popular in the 60s and 70s. And some films too. was in Enter the Dragon in 1973, classic there. And also All Men Are Brothers in 1975. Love that film. All right, so we are talking about the Brothers Soon, a Netflix series, eight episodes out now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And where were we? We were talking about some of the actors in it. Well, we talked about the mum and uh, uh, Justin Sheen plays Charles Soon, the eldest... Brother, the enforcer, chair yeah. leg Charles, Chinese American actor, um, has also done uh, my tie for the last ten years. Blue belt in jiu-jitsu. So he actually fits. The, yeah. he's, the, he's the guy who does most of the he martial looks, arts.
0: Yeah, he's got the physicality for it. You can tell he's actually able to, you know, break a finger. Yeah,
1: absolutely <laughs> dedicated to pre- protecting the family and its criminal interests mm. under his uncompromising father, Big Sun.
0: That's sweet in you mm, know. Yeah. Family values. Family?
1: <laughs> he was in um, the horror movie The Resort in 2021, and ah. you know, The Madness Within. And uh, Continuum as well has a really good chemistry um, with Sam Song Lee, who plays Bruce Sun, his younger brother, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and he's been in Better Call Saul, so that sells you a lot <laughs> about <laughs> the sort of lack of character.
0: <laughs> he's very good as he the is. foil in there; like he creates a bit of the levity. He's kind of a bit, yeah, like I said, goofy, but not. Um, He's kind of a welcome breath of fresh air after a bit of a, you know, violent opening, which is really well handled. And then, yeah, we really change pace as we head in and see what Bruce's life is like.
1: Well, I was watching him in one of the fights where he does that, you know, that sort of bumbling to get out of the way, but actually can be effective in almost a Jackie Chan sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I like that. He, he's good in this. Um, but the chemistry between him and his mum and his brother is great. It's yeah. perfect.
0: And you have to – I mean, if that's at the centre of the show, it has to work well. And straight off the bat, they yeah. all work, play really well together.
1: Mm. The stunt coordinator, Justin Yu, mm. um, who worked on uh, – he's worked on John Wick and uh, Mulan and so on. They, they've really done a good job on this. You watch it, it's all clean. In fact, it, it rivals some of the best of the Marvel sort of stuff that we've seen. Um, and I, I've thought, yeah, 10 points to that. So we work through the the cast to uh, June Lee playing uh, TK, um, uh, Bruce's best friend. He's a, a drug dealer and a stoner and the worst gangster ever. But he's quite funny in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got um, Heidi Kwan playing Alexis Kong, the deputy district attorney in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Now, he, she has known Charles from childhood, mm-hmm. so she's meeting him again for the first time in years too. What does she want? Well, you know, mm-hmm. she's a deputy DA, which probably means that she wants to be DA and perhaps even further aspirations. You know mm-hmm. how it is in America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, she's been um, in Quantum Leap, actually, in the, in the remake of that. Uh, other people in the cast, Alice Hewkin playing the twin sisters June and May song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice is a, a child actress who went from Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars through to Doctor Who and Game of Thrones. So she's here as a another um, butt-kicking chick. I actually feel like she's a little bit underused in the story, if that's my one... Criticism, but there are actually a lot of people in play in this. So some people have to go into the background, yeah. and since there may be a second season, I can see how she will come to the fore in that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's really good. She um she plays that sort of vengeance bound sort of character quite well.
0: Yeah, right, gotcha. Mm.
1: But she also has some other interests too. this is the thing: no one here in in this. Story is just a stone cold assassin, or
0: killer. <laughs> yes.
1: You know. And speaking of which, we've got Jenny Yang playing uh, Zing, uh, who's a comic, uh, has been known for Last Man Standing, and also as a labour organizer, which is quite frightening con- considering how much of a formidable force she is in this. Uh, and the character also likes Hamilton and musicals. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. uh, her um, her opposite number, uh, they're, they're sort of. Um, uh, partners as part of one of the triads, uh, uh, John Zhu as Blood Boots, who's <laughs> also a nice guy too, when he's not filling his boots with blood. <laughs> Johnny Carr plays Big Sun. Uh, he's mostly not on screen. He's the father figure. Yes. But he does a great job, the actor, of filling out the negative space, mm-hmm. you know, when he is present. And immediately you see where this family came from and yep. what dynamic it came yeah. from. And he sketches it in so deftly. And, you know, and if I, I show you a picture of his face, which I can do, but I can't show the audience there, you know, you feel like you've seen him in every
0: yes. every movie. He's he's a very familiar character actor, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's been in, in so much stuff, you know. Um, TV series, Mum, Don't Do That. and It goes on forever, I won't... I won't Go through all of that. But it, it's great to have a, a character actor who can just drop in and just deftly create yep.
0: What, yep. exactly
1: what you need. Uh, Madison, uh, who plays uh, a character called Grace, who's from the school that Bruce attends. Mm-hmm. You know, So all of these elements, they come together exceptionally well in this story. Uh, I had no problem with it at all, apart from some of the characters who have to fade into the background because you've got a large <laughs> foreground. Um, Bruce is the comic relief, but also not. Mm. It's, it's really interesting seeing the way his character... Uh,
0: Evolves a bit.
1: Yeah, as he gets involved with this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he has his own kind of uh, coder of protecting the family. Yeah. He doesn't see it the way everybody else does. Mm. And and as I was saying, the, the cultural details, I thought, were, were quite interesting. And they actually come up with one I'd never heard of before, which is um, uh, one of the female characters... She wears eyebrow tape. So she is trying to create a secondary fold um, above her main eye- eyelid um, to make her eyes look bigger. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. Know? Now, I'd never heard of this practice.
0: <laughs> I would have been surprised if you had.
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know.
0: But yes. No, I think there's, I mean, that kind of detail is.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really cool that mm. they were able to do all of these things. And, of course, any time you bring in Mahjong aunties... Oh, yeah. You know, ...you know it's going to be really cool. And it is, like because they're like this mafia of their own. <laughs>
0: don't well, cross the aunties. Never cross the aunties. <laughs> never cross the aunties. Now, we have
1: uh, another track we can play here yeah. now.
0: Well, speaking of the aunties...
1: Yeah, the Mahjong Club. Again, uh, Nathan, Matthew, David and Nick Lee are the composers of... This is from the Brothers Sun soundtrack album.
0: Well, I wouldn't trust the aunties. That was Mahjong Club, and that was by Nathan, Matthew, David and Nick And it is from the Netflix series The Brothers Sun which we've been talking about here on Zero G. I think as someone who I've just dipped a toe in this so far, I really like the style. I think it's pretty fast-paced. Like I said, the setup was excellent. Like in the pilot, you'll know all you need to know as to whether you're interested to continue the show because the characters are really – I mean, they're – you might argue they're clichés, but from what you've said, I think over the arc of the show, if they're fleshed out and they're kind of – the connections with each other are really – authentic uh I can see a lot of promise in the show and I've only watched like one and a bit episodes I think as well it's just nice that we're continuing a little bit of momentum of getting Asian-led stories on TV yeah and not kind of dropping off the way I mean because Crazy Rich Asians came out it was you know the first Asian-led cast since Joy Luck Club blah 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 and it had been decades and then there was a little lull and then now I just I do think that It is really nice to see that these kinds of things are being prioritised, they're being handled by including people with lived experience that should be the ones telling these stories. And I don't know, I just, I love the idea and, you know, we covered Echo last week on the show that we're just seeing much more of a diversity of really immersive stories from actually different cultural contexts and seeing, I mean, that's what TV and movies is for, right? To experience something outside of your own life, but... I want to see things that are coming from a place of real, authentic experience.
1: That's the word, isn't it? Authenticity. Yeah. It's something that we want. Is it almost like being a tourist?
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's like like cultural appreciation versus appropriation, right? It's like... You know something like Echo, I love because it just it does seem like it was done with such care, yeah. and it was done with a lot of respect. And I think that's what I want for all of my TV, if it's whether it's representing a culture I'm familiar with and that I relate to, hmm. or something that's very outside of my experience. I mean, I am not across Tha- um, Taipei crime gangs, but you know it's awesome to see a show filled with faces that are like mine, and I think that. Is something that shouldn't be underestimated.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's been years for me since the trial. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> things I want to mention. It is very violent. Yes, um, it has to be right. There are some. There are some remarkable tonal shifts in this. Michelle Yeoh is actually a very comic actress when you think about it.
0: I did see (laughs) some words around that about the tonal shifts from comedy to, like, deep action maybe being jarring. Did you find that or do you think it was handled okay?
1: I've watched Tarantino films. I'm fine with it. You know, I can go from zero to 60 easily. (laughs) Mm -mm
0: -mm -mm. Yeah, that's a fair point too. I mean, it's something that is done. It's just maybe people haven't seen it in this context before.
1: Look, if you haven't watched a lot of – uh, Hong Kong action films—you mm. might not be used to that.
0: Yeah, sure. No. Yeah, but yeah.
1: I mean, is there anybody out there who hasn't watched lots of?
0: I'm, I think plenty, HK's. probably. <laughs> yeah,
1: but you know th- that—that's a very standard trope. Also, um, they don't actually do that in in this because it is actually sort of more of a Western take on it, yeah. more like an Ang Lee sort of thing. Yeah, um, you know, they don't just. In in a Chinese movie, either mainland or uh, Hong Kong, when you get to the end of a of an action thing, scene the big thing, the film just stops. That's it. That's the end. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're done. Yeah. Everyone yeah. out. And then we will yeah. just have the funny credits. And speaking of um, uh, post credit scenes, there is a post credit scene at the end of episode eight. Okay. So keep an eye out for that. Yep. Um, I will call out that there's this wonderful running gag about the actor John Cho.
0: John show. Blazing trails for everybody. Mr Sulu
1: in the J.J. Um, Abrams Star Trek yep. thing, but in lots of other yeah. things too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, was one of the only main Asian actors working for a big period of time.
1: Yeah, but not as rich as they make him out to be <laughs> in this story, you know. Um, I looked that up you can actually do that you know how much is John Cho worth
0: I reckon those things are always a little bit off though
1: this one said something like 14 million has a couple of um, big houses and stuff you know not I, too hope,
0: I hope that for him I hope that's accurate
1: But doesn't have the, doesn't have the 60 million dollar worth mansion that was well however much it was worth
0: well I mean maybe and he's it's... good at hiding his assets who's yeah. to say <laughs> well you know there are triads and stuff, exactly so. he's, he knows the right people yeah. or the wrong people
1: so if I was sum this up with a, a zero g uh, yeah, nah, maybe. I absolutely go with yeah. This is just mm. so much fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, recommended uh, The Brothers. So- recommending a lot of stuff at the moment.
0: Yeah, we're in a pretty good uh, kind of time for TV and movies. I also think something that we, we haven't explicitly spoken about, Rob, but I think we generally are trying to cover things that we we think we'll like and that we'll want to recommend because there's so much out there that to spend our time actively on something we think might be a dud, mm. there's just, you know, life's too short, right?
1: Well, you know, it depends on how, how much of a dud it is. If it's a spectacular dud. I mean,
0: those ones are <laughs> always very fun to eviscerate. <laughs> straight straight
1: to DUD instead of DVD.
0: Yeah, exactly. But we haven't really seen one of those for a what, while.
1: What drew me to this one, the fact that Michelle Yeoh was front fronting it?
0: I think that's what they're banking on, honestly. Yeah. I think that they've, they've really created a great, draw card with her Mm. at the centre but I will say the rest of the casting does seem to be pretty good. I mean they've obviously had to go for actors that are less well known in the rest of the cast but I don't think that's a bad thing.
1: I think I'll carry that that line with me for a long time where she whacks Charles after he's hit Bruce's hey ah we don't hit family (laughs) whack (laughs) but I can do it.
0: Yeah of course of course she's the matriarch yeah Uh, she can do anything. I think um Casting her is a really good decision. If it gets more eyes onto this, Mm. I think it's really approachable as well. So if it gets more people drawn to it and they stick with it, I think that's been a great call.
1: I can see how a second season will be an interesting development.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Uh, And and I hope it does get to that. Now, speaking of John Cho, uh, we've got him singing. Oh. With Rufy Ann Miles and Kathy Ang. In a film called Over the Moon, Mm -hmm. and they're singing about mooncakes, which I think is very fitting fitting because you know the um, the Charles character is is an enthusiastic amateur gourmet chef,
0: and it's set up so well in that in sort of the opening sequences. I think Mm. Uh, his love of baking and how life just gets in the way when he's trying to bake something good.
1: And now I want to have a a churro.